my name is Jason Benson. I'm the children's pastor here, so I'm always up here having a good time with all these kids. Thankful to have a good, solid, solid team. Uh, they're upstairs teaching our kids right now. My wife's leading worship, and she's going to be preaching to the kids this morning, so she's excited about that. Um, we are in the Christmas, the Advent season. Today we are going to be focusing on hope. Uh, more specifically, we're going to be talking about hope in the midst of despair. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 42. We're going to read the, read the whole psalm. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our hope. And Father, I ask that as I preach your word, that you would be gracious to me, that you would give me the words to say that I would be a tool, just a vessel in your hand. And I pray, Father, that you would open ears to hear, open eyes to see. And I pray, Father, that the hurting, the wounded, the broken, the lonely, God, that they would find a place of rest this morning, God, and that they would find a place of joy and that they would be filled with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. 
for several weeks now, we've been gathering here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock uh, for prayer. We come here for, uh, to seek God. We've been asking God to make His name great among us. We do this as a staff. We've been focusing on, on feeling God's heart. We've been asking. We want to be able to feel God's heart and God's love toward His people. I've been asking God for quite some time, my prayer, God, give me a shepherd's heart. Give me a heart that, that feels what you feel. Help me to love your people well. I've been asking God for this. I want to feel it. I want to love his people as Jesus loves. I want to be able to weep with those who weep. That's what we want to do as a staff. We want to be able to weep with those who weep. We want to be able to rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to love you well. That's our prayer. I remember uh, the story, and you remember it very well. Jesus, when, when, when he tells Peter, he, he says before he's crucified, he tells Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Tonight, Peter said, no way. It never happened. I'll never deny you. Peter's strong as he was. He's like, no, confident as he was. He's like, no way. There's no way. I've seen you do too much. I'll never deny you. I will be there till the end. Jesus says, you would deny me not only once but three times. And what happened? We know, right? He denied Jesus three times, and I can only feel the, I can only imagine what it must have felt like, Peter, living with Jesus, walking with Jesus every single day, seeing all that Jesus has done, as strong as he was, saying, I'll never, I, I love you, Lord, I'll never deny you, and I can only imagine when he heard, when he heard the crow, how he must have felt, how small, how, how broken, how hurt, how just wounded he must have felt. And so we have the story, Jesus rises from the dead, and he comes to Peter, and in his recommissioning of Peter, in his building Peter back up, when, his, when he comes to reinstate Peter, what does he do? He says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You, yes, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Lord, yes, you know I love you. Follow me and feed my sheep. You see, Jesus' heart is toward his body. Jesus' heart is toward his people. And in him reinstating Peter, he's saying, Peter, I want you to love me, and I want you to love me well, and this is how I want you to love me. I want you to love me by taking care of my people. Feed my sheep. So we've been praying for quite some time. That God, help us to feel your heart. Help us to be able to know how you feel toward your people, that we might in turn be able to love like you love. Which has brought me to this message today. 
in which I didn't know I was going to preach until three days ago because Robert was supposed to preach and he's sick. So we're going to continue to pray for Robert that he'll get better. But this is where God's led us. You see, we're in the midst of a Christmas season, and the Christmas season is, is full of anticipation, is full of excitement, is full of joy. There's songs and carolers, is full of lights and food, and time off of work, praise God, um, and, and time with family. And, and we have all the songs every year, and it's exciting, right? And we all have our traditions, and our kids get excited. For many, it's quite the opposite. For many, it's a season of loneliness. It's a season of sadness, depression, despair. For many, during these holiday seasons, when everything is so festive, for many, this is their lowest, darkest places. Maybe it's because you've lost someone that you love. Mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, spouse that you used to do Christmas with every year. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you're battling depression and you haven't felt God for a really long time. And just being in the Christmas season itself with everything just seems so happy and you just don't feel anything. Makes it all the worse. You see, sometimes life can just feel so hopeless. We see this in this psalm. I'm so thankful for Psalm 42. It has helped me so much in my life. Because this psalmist is really struggling. This is probably one of the most gut-wrenching psalms in all of the Bible. This guy's literally pouring out his soul. He's wounded. He's hurting. He's in despair. Three things are at work that we see in this psalm. We see that this guy, there's a lot of external turmoil coming in at him. We see also there's a lot of internal turmoil. And then we see that this guy, he's battling. This guy is battling to feel hope. And oh, he is battling so well. You might ask, who is, this, who is this message for? I'm going to argue that this message is for everybody in this room. Because some of you, when you read Psalm 42, you can look back in your life, you can remember a time when things were just really dark, and you can relate to it because you've been there. For others in the room right now, you're in the midst of this. You just feel like you're in darkness. And for some of you, maybe you've never experienced a really, really dark season in your life. But I want to tell you that if God is gracious to you and he gives you a long life, more than likely the odds are that you will go through a season like this at some point. So this message is, is for all of us. Let's look at what was happening. Let's look at the, the external turmoil that's coming at him. We, we, we see... We see in verse 10, look in verse 10, it says, he says, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? You see, they're just poking at him, 
You know what I mean? This guy is already low. He, this guy is already down, and his adversaries come, and they're just jabbing at him. You see, they're just kind of taking the knife and sticking it in and turning it just a little bit deeper, calling everything out to him, just making him feel just that much worse. It's not like he doesn't know what's happening in his own life. He's already in despair, and they're just poking him and jabbing him. And they're asking him the question. They're, they're looking at him, and they're saying, where is your God? Why do they ask that question? They ask that question because it looks like he's been abandoned. It looks like he's alone. It looks like he doesn't have any help. And they're looking at him, who's, who's going who's gonna to help you? Who's going to come keep you company now? They're jabbing him. And we also see in verse 7 where he's, he says, in verse 7, all your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. Just think of the picture here that he's trying to paint. One after the other, wave after wave. Literally, when he doesn't think it can get any worse, another wave just smacks him in the face. When he doesn't think he can take any more, another wave hits him again. All your waves, all your breakers are coming at me. This guy's battling internally that we see from this song. Look in verse, look in verse 1 and 2. This is the beginning of the song. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. He's imagining a deer running through the woods, probably running from danger, extremely thirsty, out of his element, doesn't know where the brook, the stream is to drink, and he's panting, frantically trying to find water. This guy's saying, that's, that's how I feel all the time inside. I'm panting for water. I'm thirsty for the living God. And you all know what it's like to be thirsty and you can't have any drink. It's a terrible feeling. This guy's saying, that's how I feel in my soul all the time. We see in verse 3, the result of that. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. He's saying, my tears is what I eat. Maybe you've never been there, but some people have been in such a low place. Literally, you can be pouring coffee in your mug in the morning when you're just out of bed, and you spill it. And you just start crying. Because <laughs> it's just too much. Right? Literally, spilled coffee will bring your, your, your eyes watering. This guy's saying every day, day and night, my tears have been my food. And then he says this in verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Now, let me make a point here. This psalmist knows that God has not forgotten him. How do we know that? Look in verse 8. It's very clear. He says in verse 8, just the very verse prior, he says, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love 
and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Literally, he's saying every day his love is toward me, I know it, and every day his song is with me, and it's a prayer. I'm literally singing a prayer for help. So why does he say, God, why have you forgotten me? Because he feels like he's been forgotten. You see, sometimes we can know things, and what we feel is very different. And this guy feels as though he's been forgotten. We see something else, and I love this. Because as rough as it is for this guy, he is fighting so well. He is battling so well. Look in verse 2. When, he, he cries out, when shall I come and appear before God? He's saying, I want to be there. When? When can I come? When? When can I come? He's thinking that he wants to be there. We also, we also see in verse 4 where he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. It was a multitude-keeping festival. He's saying, I remember the times. And they were so good. He's looking back and he's saying, I was there before. When, God, when can I come back? And thirdly, we see in verse 5 and 11 that this guy is doing something that we all need to do. This guy is preaching to himself. This guy is literally preaching to himself. Look at it. Verse 5, why are you cast down, soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, soul? Why is there turmoil within me? And he cries out, hope in God. Soul? Hope in God. Hope. Hope. We're all familiar with the word hope. We use this word frequently. You see, we hope to get the job we applied for. We we, we hope to do well on the test that we've been preparing for. We, we hope that our favorite team wins the game. Many people hope that every week. Many people see defeat every week. I shouldn't tell you guys I'm a Redskins fan. I should leave that out of it. God help me. People hope it snows a foot on Christmas Day. Everybody? Maybe some. I do. People hope they will win the lottery, even though they realize that they're not going to win the lottery. They still hope. That's not what this guy's talking about. It's the way we use hope. It's how we use it. That is not 
biblical hope. Hope has nothing to do with I hope it happens. Absolutely nothing to do with that. You see, biblical hope is an absolute certainty. It is an absolute certainty because we are completely convinced in God's promise that it will come to pass. Why can we be so convinced that His promise will come to pass? Because biblical hope is grounded in the foundation that this hope is in the character of the one who made the promise. And the character of the one who made the promise, not only does he have good character, but he is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And right now he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven making intercession for you, praying for you. You might not feel it, but he is praying for you. If you believe in Jesus, he is praying for you right now. Not only is he, not only is he alive, but in Revelations we see on his sash, this is faithful and true. Why is God faithful? God's faithful because that's who he is. That is his character. It is his nature. He doesn't just say, I'm going to do something like us, just try to fulfill it. If he says he's going to do something, church, he will do it. Period. And that is our biblical hope, and we, we stand on that hope. Because God has promised things to us. Let's look at some of the things that God has promised to us. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. We sung that today. You need only to be still. God will fight for you. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength when you are at your lowest, your weakest point in life. He says, in our weakness, he is strong. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not, says God, for I am with you. Therefore, the result of that, don't be dismayed. I'm with you. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The waters, I love this because we just read in the psalm where the psalmist is saying, all your breakers and all your waves, they keep crashing in on me. And then during that season, he doesn't feel God. He's just getting smacked around, right, by life. But here it says that he will pass through the waters with us. So as the waves are crashing in on you, God's saying, I want you to understand the promise. I'm actually with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Isaiah 54.10, For the mountains may depart 
and the hills be removed. But my steadfast love shall not depart from you. Literally what that means. The mountains can just blow up. The world can just fall into pieces. All these secure mountains that we see every day, they can just explode. And God's saying, my love will not change. My love for you will last forever. And we base that in the character of the one who made the promise. We see in Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. And we see this again in John 14.18 when Jesus is looking and he tells the people, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Hear me, you who is in despair right now. Listen to me. God has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. He said he will never leave you or forsake you, and that is not, I hope it happens. That literally means that he will not leave you or forsake you. You are not abandoned. And I don't care how long you've been in this season, you're not abandoned. I want you to feel that. So why do we, oh, no, 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 this is, I almost missed a really good part. I'm so glad I didn't miss this part. I love this part. Because this is clarified by the psalmist in verse 42. Because he doesn't just stop preaching to himself and say, soul, hope in God. And just end it there. He didn't end it there. He continued the thought. And the thought was, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see, that's biblical hope. He's saying, well, why does it say, I shall praise him again, right? It means he's not praising right now. That's what it means. He's not praising right now. He remembers the days when he praised. And he's feeling nothing. But he's fighting good. And he says, I'll praise again. So soul, hope in God. Because I'll come through this. I have to. Because the one who promised it is faithful. And therefore, he has to because it's his nature. He will come through. Which means, church, you will come through. So why can we have hope and why can we rejoice in this Christmas season that we're in right now? The reason that we have hope, let's look at it, all right? Matthew chapter 12, turn with me, Matthew chapter 12, verse 15 through 21. And this is Matthew uh, quoting from Isaiah. And Isaiah is known for looking in the future and anticipating Jesus Christ coming. So we see Isaiah speaking in Matthew 
verse 15 of chapter 12. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved and whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. The reason that we can hope is because hope came. Jesus came. And because Jesus came, hope came. And because hope came, us Gentiles, I'm not a Jew, far from it, but I can, I can have hope. You see, the glory of the incarnation is that the hope of Israel has expanded. You see, the gates have swung open wide, and now the Gentiles are welcome to enter into this hope and that's what we celebrate because he came. Because hope came no matter where we're at. No matter if we're in the worst place imaginable, that hope is still secure. Period. Hope came. And that's why we can look at Romans 12, verse 12, where Paul says, rejoice in hope. You can rejoice in hope. The only thing you can rejoice in is something that you know will come to pass. I can't rejoice that I might win the lottery. All I do is feel bad. But he says rejoice in hope because this hope comes to pass. Oh, I so love that church. Band, I'm wrapping it up. You guys, you guys come on up here. I want to I want to conclude with, I want to give you just three things, right? If you're battling despair, if you're battling depression, if you're battling loneliness, if, if you're battling sadness, three things. Number one, I want you to remember the goodness of God. Now listen to me, I'm speaking to people who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right? If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this hope I'm talking about is for you. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that hope will be yours. But more specifically, I'm talking to you who... You, you, you know, you, you know deep down you love Jesus. You know deep down you've been there before and you don't feel nothing now. What I want you to do is I want you to look back and I want you to remember the goodness of God. I want you to remember the days of sweet fellowship. The Lord is sweet, church. Remember that day when things were so sweet. I have times in my life when I'm going through stuff. I look back 20 years ago. Because it helps me, right? Remember the times when it was sweet. Number two, 
I want you to preach to yourself. Become the best preacher in your life. Preach to yourself more than anybody else preaches to you, right? Preach to yourself the gospel every day. Read Romans chapter 8, and I want you to just preach Romans chapter 8. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. This is what I want you to do as you talk to your soul. Say, soul, there is no condemnation. Jason, I've been set free from the bondage of sin. Jason, the Spirit of God dwells in me. It's been given to me. The Spirit of God is there. Jason, my present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying, he's saying anything you're going through right now, it, it can't even be worth comparing to what will be one day. One day. Preach that to yourself. Preach that the Spirit of God is interceding for you every day. I want you to say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Tell yourself that. Say, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Preach to yourself. And then the third thing I want you to do. Sometimes after you've preached to yourself, because you might ask, did this, did this psalm end happy? Did this guy finally arrive? Well, in the psalm itself, he didn't. He, he's still preaching to himself. He still doesn't feel anything. And I'm so happy it ended that way. Sometimes after we've said everything that we can say, after we've preached to ourselves, after we've remembered the good old days and we're still where we're at, the third thing I want you to do is wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. For those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. God will come through. And hear God's words in 1 Peter 5.10. And let this be a closing comfort to you. He says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. I love that, the God of all grace. Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I want you to think about that. He's not going to send an angel to do it. He says, the God of all grace will himself do these things for you. Hope will come to pass, church. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that you give us. And God, I just ask that you would minister well to your people. These are the sheep of your pasture. And I pray, Father, that you would bring encouragement where encouragement needs to come, that you will bring hope where hope needs to come. In Jesus' name.